hey, hey, it's the worst date movies ever. My name is Greg Knox, and I'm joined once again for the first time in this second series by the main man, Mr. Tom Dennett Cook. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah. It's good to be back. It's great to be back, although you're not going to say that in a minute when uh, I explain what film we're talking about. <laughs> um, so, the film we're talking about today, I did kind of slightly preview this on the last show. It's one of the main kind of when we're talking about bad date movies or controversial movies in the canon and it's Sarlo or the 120 days of Sodom by Pier Paolo Pasolini yeah <laughs> yes um, great a little movie a great date movie <laughs> as we're going to discuss um, so in case you are naive mm-hmm. let's say this is normally where I give the warning about spoilers, where, yes, there will, in fact, be many, many spoilers on this show, as there mm. are, in fact, on every show. I don't think I've done a single spoiler-free show yet. It'd be very difficult to do. Yes, it would. <laughs> but for this one, there is going to be discussions of, let's say, a disturbing nature, and some people may find the content offensive. If that is likely to be you, then you know what to do. Definitely don't listen to this one <laughs> at all. <laughs> yes. And the clue's in the name, 120 Days of Sodom. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very Sardian show yeah. we're going to do on the show today. So, um, for those of you who don't know, so as I said, uh, the film's directed by Pier Paolo Pasolini. So he is one of the main Italian art house directors of the 60s and 70s. Uh, now, he's had a very interesting career, very varied. So he started off making kind of neorealist films as was the style in Italy in the sort of late 50s, early 60s. Um, he made film Acatoni and Mamaroma, which are both really good films. I've seen those, so I do mm-hmm. recommend those. And then he didn't want to make neorealist films anymore, and he started making more poetic films, uh, the main one of which is The Gospel According to St. Matthew, which is literally the story of Jesus Christ, yeah. which sounds as if it would be really, really boring and really horrible, but it's actually not. Yeah, it's actually really good. It's actually very, very well done, and I would say it's probably his best film, uh, in my opinion, anyway, and many other people's opinions. And then he made what he calls well more difficult films. So he made a film called Fear. And when I say difficult, I don't necessarily mean the subject matter is difficult, but it's like he went out of his way to make deliberately obtuse, kind of very slow mm-hmm. films, um, good films. Like he hasn't made a bad film as such but yes might not necessarily be the most difficult to get into on a first watch if you've never seen one of his films before so as i said theorem or tiarama starring terence stamp and a film called pigsty where certain suspicious things happen with pigs that i won't go into on the show because god knows (laughs) we've got enough disturbing content on the show as it is oh my god (laughs) and then in the 70s he made what is three films which form what is his trilogy of life so they are the Decameron, the Canterbury Tales, and Arabian Nights. So films based on existing source material that he took and he adapted in his own way. And they were, for him, more kind of accessible. And they were actually surprisingly successful at the Italian box office. I guess because huh. they had a lot of nudity in. And people were into well. nudity. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, particularly Arabian Nights, I think. So that one definitely was, was a hit. Surprise hit at the Italian box office. However, what happened as a result of that is because it was so successful and because he 
put all this... Uh, basically, the message of the films he felt weren't getting through and he felt that his work was being commodified by the commercial film industry. So as a consequence to that, he made this film, which is Solo. So are you saying this is a reaction to his own success? In a way, yes. Okay. And I'm going to explain why that is kind of as we go along. Now... To be fair, this film hmm. is new to Team 2. It so does. something for everyone. <laughs> it does, but I want to go into that in a minute because, yeah, how nudity is used in this film is very, very different from how it's very used. Very different. <laughs> yes. And believe it or not, this film, so Solo, was meant to be the start of another trilogy, which was the trilogy of death. And apparently, if he had not passed away, which he in fact did just before this film was released, he would have made a film about Jules Deray. Ah. Which... Bearing in mind who Jill DeRay is, would have been very interesting how he would well, have got around that. I would have loved to have seen a trilogy of death. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, as I said, he was murdered just before Solo came out. Now, I always heard that he got murdered because of Solo, but that's actually not true. That's just pub- really good publicity. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be great to kind of have a film that was so controversial, the director was murdered, murdered for making for it. it. Yeah. But however, that is not the case. Um, he was murdered because uh, Pasolini is in fact communist, mm-hmm. and he is believed to. Although someone was charged for his murder um, a few years ago, it was said by the person who was charged that no, I didn't actually do it. I just said I did it because my family was being threatened and stuff like that, and it had very, very suspicious, possibly mafia related. Mm. Um, yeah, causes, let's put it that way. Yeah, juicy story because he's, Mm. you know, say communist leanings and stuff Mm. like that. Um, but yes, so, uh, Solo, as, uh, yeah, so Solo, the 120 Days of Sodom, um, it doesn't have any actors in it that anyone would know of, but the cinematographer is Tonino Delicoli, who is the cinematographer used mostly by Sergio Leone as well. So he did the cinematography for The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in, the, in America. Yeah, that's very cool. All great films. And the music is done by Ennio Morricone, who's done the music for about a million films. Yeah. In good, Italy. Good, good music in this. Yes. Very good music, actually. Although there isn't that much of it. It's not like a Jallo, for example. Yeah. But when it's applied, it's applied well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So... As best as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) What is the story of Solo? Well, it takes place uh, towards the end of World War II in the, I guess you would call it, the puppet state of Solo, which is a little historical bit here. Um, When Mussolini was overthrown um, and Italy changed sides to the Allies, the Nazis um, kidnapped, well, rescued Mussolini from Allied captivity, set him up in a puppet state in North Italy to kind of keep fascism going in Italy. And that's where this film is set, in the little town of Salo. Yep. So I was going to say, so the events, not literally the events, but the the circumstances as the film is set were real. True circumstances. There there really was the Italian fascist state of Salo, um, I think in Italy, it's. I mean, outside in world history, people have forgotten about it. But in Italy, the name Solo is kind of an infamous name, right? Not because of the film necessarily, but because of just <laughs> the fact that this um, this was a horrible place. Um, a lot of the actual war crimes in World War Two happened in the last 
like year and a half of the war. I think in terms of German lives, more Germans died in the last year and a half of the war than the rest of the war combined. In terms of concentration camp numbers, numbers kept going up as the war went on rather than going down. And in Italy, in this, one of the reasons he chose to set it there was because just the levels of barbarism and stuff were just, in, in those desperate moments towards the end of the war, that was still, that, that just kept getting worse and worse for the Italians. Um, in terms of the, the story story, it's based, as you say, on Dessart's 120 Days of Sodom, which tells the... Um, I'm gonna. I might need your help on naming all four of them, but basically, there's four members of basically the establishment who decide to rent out a villa um, to partake in their deepest, darkest sexual desires. There's a representative of the church, yes. representative of the law, so a judge, yes. uh, representative of the aristocracy, so a duke. duke yeah, and I can't remember the last one. I think the it's just a politician, yeah, yeah, president. He's just the president. Yeah, uh, so I think that covers all your four areas of Italian society and. and you know, they, um, well, it starts off relatively s- simple levels of um, sadomasochism and then things, e- with each passing day, th- I mean, I don't know how the much you want me to get fan. I mean, the shit literally hits the fan. There's yes. a bit. Um, <laughs> basically, they've taken upon themselves. And if it's anything like the the Dessard book, the short novel by Dessard, the, the point that these four guys have got together is, basically, they know that their regime is coming to an end. Yeah. And so they decide to have basically one final blowout (laughs) where they're going to just do whatever the hell they want because they can. And they've all done bits and pieces of sadomasochism in the past, but now they're going to rent out a place just just so that they can do anything they want. Is that because they think the war is going to end soon, not in their favour? Yeah, I mean, yeah, not in their favour. He doesn't really address that in the film, but in the the book... um, the sad kind of because it's they've changed it obviously, uh, but in the book it's it's um, just before the French Revolution, and and they kind of know the gigs up. They know right. things things can only, you can only push the people so far before their time's up. So that's why they do it, and that's why it lifts and gets plonked in the twentieth century in fascist Italy so well. I think it's quite interesting, sort of, that this film came out when it did, because in Italy. We'd had a couple of other films about kind of the end of World War Two. Yeah. So we had The Damned by Visconti. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I need to see it yeah. very, very soon. And obviously The Night Porter by yep. Liliana Cavani. Again, not literally war movies, but they're mm-hmm. films about the end of World War Two and it's about the role of the victims and the perpetrators of these crimes yes. and how one might be complicit with each other, yeah. if that makes sense. So, yeah, so it's quite interesting, obviously, that you had those films and then this. I mm-hmm. think not deliberately. I think yes. it's probably a coincidence. And then this and films like Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS yes. and Salon Kitty then mm-hmm. produced, you know, not exploitation, yes. which we've talked about elsewhere. We've talked about elsewhere, yeah. Now, looking at it purely as, you know, a precursor to Nazi exploitation, mm-hmm. it's interesting the lack of fascist iconography in yeah. this film. Yeah. Because how you kind of look at this film, you can either look at it in two ways. You can either look at it as an art house film, mm-hmm. or you can look at it as, oh my God, it's one of the most disturbing films of all time, and yeah. this is what happens in it. So looking at it purely from an art house perspective, yeah, looking at 
you know the film itself and not necessarily what happens mm-hmm. in it but yeah i found that at least i don't know about you but it kind of did remind me of not obviously exactly the same because these films are nowhere near yeah. the same caliber but like uh, starpo's last orgy which is still pretty good yeah and ss experiment camp in mm-hmm. a way but yeah, as I said, the, I found it interesting that there was no <laughs> there was no swastika I, I adorned think, against the wall the walls, for example. I think it works completely in its favour, though. Yeah, because that's what separates it from exploitation. You know, we always joke with the exploitation film. There's always a swastika flag hanging yeah. in every room, <laughs> even though if you watch any 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 true historical drama, um, either set in fascist Italy or Nazi Germany, isn't adorned with Nazi memorabilia because it's not about fetishizing the Nazis or fascism. Yeah. So if they're set in the real world, then yeah, they don't have a lot of that kind of stuff. And the Nazis were also just being historically boring here, <laughs> more in to their having swastikas everywhere than the fascists in Italy were about having, I guess they had the fascists, the sticks, mm. the axe. Um, you know, the, the Nazis were the ones who were the kings of propaganda. Fascist Italy didn't have... Mussolini's face on every lamppost right. in the way that the Nazis did. So it kind of makes sense. And, you know, the only thing you really see fascist in this is perhaps the, the uniforms, um, which, you mm. know, even if you don't if you don't know hist- um, fascist uniforms that well, they might just look like normal uniforms. But, um, yeah, yeah, it does, it's not like wall-to-wall Nazi shit or wall-to-wall no. f- whatever the fascist equivalent would be it's not love camp seven no no and, that's, <laughs> and also it's worth bearing in mind like most nazi exploitation films are because they're fetishized the nazis they're set i guess in concentration camps yeah so everyone is a prison guard in a nazi uniform whereas this these are civilians mm. this is a judge a duke um whoever um they are there and they're doing it in a country villa so fascism is in the background and it, there's, I'm sure we'll come onto it. There's sort of metaphors of fascism and, and exploiting mm. people, but um, it's it's not in your face with the um, iconography. No, and I agree with you. Yeah. It does work in the film's favour because you know, as fun as some of those films are, yeah. there's really nothing to them beyond surface level. Really, nah, is there? Nah. There's no deep meaning beyond beneath the surface of Gestapo's last orgy. It's a, it's a well-shot film, and yeah. there are things in it that you just go, wow, I can't believe you've actually put that in your film. But yeah, it's not meant to be taken as anything other than exploitation. Whereas yeah. this, I think it gets treated as exploitation by a lot of people when it's not. And nah. if you go looking for an exploitation film, it's not going to be what you're expecting, which is why I think a lot of people don't like this film. It's like it's like an art house film about exploitation because they're exploiting these people yeah um but it's not an exploitation film as such in i mean in in this little spectrum if you will at one end you will have let's call it the nazi exploitation spectrum at one end you have um ilsa yeah at the other end you have night porter in the middle you have something like saloon kitty which you could take as art house or exploitation that's probably more of a debate this is on the side of night porter in terms of yeah being art house you know but it's extreme art house you know it's it's out there it's daring shocking to this day you would never get a film like this made today no and when they do try like i remember when serbian film came out and human centipede came out people are like these are the most shocking things i'm like this is this is messing around this is 
like almost this is child's play this is child's play i mean <laughs> I, I mean you could say oh but you know human said people get stitched together and she each other's mouths i'm like yeah but this film is more effective you walk away from this film feeling more shocked even though you don't see as much graphic stuff as you might see in a serbian film where you know yeah. a guy fucking a baby or something um <laughs> it's almost like that is so extreme it becomes cartoonish because this is real world or feels more real world when people are doing things you do feel their pain and their their humiliation a hell of a lot more and people remember this film as being a lot more gratuitous than it actually is it's more infamous than what's in there that's what i tried to say before when i the very first time i saw this film i think i was expecting yeah ilsa meets fucking serbian film and i was like wow there's a lot of talking going on this film (laughs) nothing's really happening oh someone's had some shit okay right and then (laughs) someone gets his tongue cut out roll credits this is kind of boring and but every time i watch it I enjoy it more and more for what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you know what to expect, yeah. it's fine. Because what I would say, purely from it, I'm going to do the, the boring bits now. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah. But like from a filmmaking perspective, like this film is so well put together for a number of reasons. So first of all, I really like the way that the film is shot. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of long shots yeah. in the film. There's a lot of stuff which is deliberately emotionally distancing mm-hmm. from the characters. Because what I would say is this is a very cold film. Yeah. It's so cold. Like, the victims, you don't really get to know them at all. No. And in most films, you would say that as like, well, that's a bad thing. Clearly, we need yeah. to know, get to know these characters. But I think for what Pasolini is trying to do, it actually works really well. It's completely in keeping with Desaad. So, Desaadian historians have noted how in a lot of his works... Desaad is like once you strip away the sex and just get to the bare bones of it, he is obsessed with um, timetables and obsessed with routines and <laughs> obsessed with rules. All his maniacs are always people who run societies and have laws and structures, and the victims are just there. Just- to serve a purpose and he gets that in the film in the film you know we spend ages being introduced to you know the main characters signing contracts uh, marrying each other's daughters um selecting people you know putting um suggestions in boxes (laughs) um a a book of rules a a naughty list yeah a naughty a book of punishments a book of rules so it's really highly regimented and yeah the victims are not as important as the rules and regulations that's what's at the heart of it you know and what I find interesting is in a Nazi exploitation film, so let's take yeah, SS Experiment Camp, for example, there yeah. would be a storyline between, you know, the prisoners where you would get to know a couple of them and they one would have to an escape. Ab- one would fall in love with a guard. Yes. Uh, you know. Uh, and yeah. and you know what? Even in this, you, there, there's... You th- I don't know whether you think it's going to go there, but one of the guards is having sex with one of the servants. Yeah. That's snuffed out. That whole that whole, that could potentially be a storyline. It's hinted nope. at near the beginning yeah. of the film, and then it happens, and then the guy gets shot. If you were to remake this it. film, they would make a big deal out of that couple. Yeah. And they would find out more about them and their motives. You don't get that in this, because it's true sardinism. It's true coldness. Sardinism is about cold-heartedness rather mm. than inflamed passions. Yeah, and you got the two female, I suppose, prisoners is kind of what they are, mm-hmm. really. But in, in the credits, they're called victims, yeah. who are close, should we say. Yeah. And again, if this was a Nazi exploitation film, that would probably be more expanded than it is. Mm-hmm. I think literally all you're told about them is their names, and their names could be anything. 
Like literally, yeah. cause, they're like, yeah, Ilsa, Eva, whatever, you know, Anna. They're just kind of <laughs> interchangeable. Yeah. And the only ones that really kind of stand out are there's the, the male victim who then doesn't get killed at the end because mm-hmm. the Duke really likes him. Yeah. And so he gets spared. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the one girl whose mum died and she cries a lot. Yeah. And then there's the two girls who kind of, you know, have their tryst or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's one of the boys who's a little bit cheeky. Yeah. But other than that, they're all kind of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But that's not, as just to stress again, that yeah. is not a bad thing in that this is, film. In, I would say that was completely intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, I really like the way the film shots. There's a lot of long shots. I really like the way that the framing's done. So it looks like a painting. Yes. Because yeah. you've got the great production design of like the the interiors of the rooms mm-hmm. and the way that the characters are set up. And also what it does is, because like you said, if you go into this expecting an, an exploitation film, there's one scene in particular where two of the characters, are well, the victims anyway, are being molested, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Yeah. And you don't see that in close-up at all. It's all filmed from a distance. Mm-hmm. So there's no gratification in there whatsoever. In terms of our house exploitation, where do you put this? If you go and expect an exploitation film, you're going to be bored. Yeah. If you go and expect an our house film, you're going to be shocked. Yes. So it, it kind of covers both grounds while at the same time being confusing and not covering either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, and as I said, I think that's why the film is as polarising to yes. a lot of people as it is. Now, this is one of those films where, yes, there is a, a vague story about yeah. this group yeah. of four libertines, or fascists, who sort of have these you know, young people, they kind of put them through torture and then, spoil everyone, they kill most of them by the yeah. end of the film. And that is pretty much it. But because this is an art house film, there is an allegory in there and there's you know the way you can interpret <laughs> like you said because it's not a house film there's got to be an allegory <laughs> <laughs> yeah well exactly True. there, there should okay. be an allegory to most films yeah but i think for some films you are looking for allegories that aren't there yeah but in this film because of the type of filmmaker that pasolini is there's definitely an allegory in yes. there now from what i've read up because i try and do as much research as i can this is mm-hmm. a very heavy film everybody when it comes to that kind of thing there's two schools of thought there's either this is an allegory about fascism itself mm-hmm. or it's an allegory about capitalism mm-hmm. so which school of thought do you belong to or do you have a completely different interpretation because you've watched this film quite a few times yeah. haven't you i i think it's pretty sh- I mean, in one sense, it's pretty straightforwardly about fascism because it's set in fascist Italy. But I think for for the director, from my my understanding, is he didn't like the way Italy was going in the 60s and stuff. And and the influence, the outside influence of the capitalist West um, imposing itself on Italy. He was, as you said, he was a Marxist. And in his opinion, um, the left was being sort of very much crushed by this outside capitalist super superpower that was forcing Italy to do stuff it didn't want to do, which probably, for him, harks back to fascist Italy. So I, I seem to recall when I was sort of very much into looking into Italian cinema, why, why so much Italian cinema is fucked up in the <laughs> 50s, 60s and 70s, is because um, a lot of Italians post-World War II, they, they kind of have an identity crisis because Italian patriotism and masculinity was so interlocked 
with fascism that um, that they kind of lose this and start to have a bit of a meltdown, and that's why all their films are kind of fucked up. Um, in terms of whether, whether the film's about capitalism or, or um, fascism, once Italy had joined the war, they were kind of Germany's bitch. They were, do, they were doing what they were told by Germany. Yes. Then when they swapped sides, they were the Americans' bitch. And, um, and then the Germans took ruthless revenge on any Italians that they came across that had been working with the Allies. So I think in terms of the director's approach, he probably sees, like I said, the way Italy was in his lifetime in the 60s and 70s as being in a similar position as it had been before. And yeah, is it an allegory for fascism? And the short answer is yes, but the longer answer is he doesn't want to see that happen again in Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I mean, he, apparently Pasolini's int- message for the film was, it's about the body becomes merchandised. My film is planned as a sexual metaphor which symbolises the relationship between exploiter and exploited. Mm-hmm. In sadism and in power politics, human beings become objects. Mm-hmm. So how we talked about, you know, the victims, we don't know anything about them, yeah. and they are basically used. They're used for their bodies. Yeah, and, their livestock and yeah, furniture. Basically, so... In that regard, and also because, you know, the four libertines, they are sort of of the highest rankings Mm -hmm. of Italian society at the time. You could see it as, yeah, like capitalism, how money, power corrupts. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're going to talk about this more in a minute, but the many, many stories Mm -hmm. that seem to happen in in the film, they're all about kind of people of power so like a general yeah or like a teacher or someone like that general rule of the all Saad, these people yeah. just seem to be fucked up the general rule of the Saad, or one of the general rules of the Saad books from what i've read is they're always it's almost like he's he, he in in the Saad's world the only people who are perverts are the people in power the bishops the um, the politicians. If you, you read anything by the side, it's always it's always that. And I guess the point is to say that your your social betters aren't better than you, mm. and that the people who are innocent need to wise up to the fact that the people above them are manipulating them and using them as livestock. So th- this always happens in in the side. It's not unusual, um, and it comes across very much in the film, as you say. These these are the people running Italy. Mm. Um, your social your social betters yeah. are, are not only worse than you, but will kill you. <laughs> just for shits and giggles, just really. For, just for fun, you know. Yeah, because yeah. at the end of the day, there is no reason really for them to do it. They're just doing it cause. Yeah. And, and the Book of Punishment is almost like, if nobody had committed any reason to be punished, they would have got punished anyway. It's The Book of Punishment is more the game for yeah. them to just, you know, yeah, an excuse like- to talk to people some more. Yeah, I mean, even if you've never seen this before, I mean, in theory, you know kind of what's going to happen. Yeah. It's just getting there. and That's a good point, yeah. They just kind of <laughs> prolong it as much as possible yeah. just to, yeah, prolong the agony, as I said. Um, before I kind of move on to the next bit, um, you know way, way, way more about World War Two than, than okay. I do. <laughs> Would things like this have happened in at this time in Italy? I... Or Germany, for that matter. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I've certainly not heard of anything like this happening. I think this is an extreme fantasy. I don't want to say it wouldn't happen, because you do hear about cases of like people like 
Gacy who tortured boys in his basement. So do <laughs> would something like this have happened? I mean, it's a bit like I don't want to compare this film to something as crap as Hostel, but it's the same. <laughs> it's the same logic that it is very what, similar. What if yeah. what if the rich can just do what they want? What if they have a, a room or a house somewhere where they can just you know they have enough money to get away with it? You know, it's like the old snuff movie folklore mm. like you know some people would say they've seen a snuff movie but they can't tell you anything about it and um, did this happen in world war ii there are no records that i'm aware of um other than and this is where nazi exploitation is more i don't want to say realistic but <laughs> things that happen to people <laughs> in concentration camps and the reputation yeah, of some guards yeah. uh, the bitch of belsom she's was notorious sadist yeah um but we're talking about sadism in a very um just brutal form where people are just beating each other up. Whereas this, this is sadism raised to the level of, dare I say, Tassadian. Yeah. Where it's more about, it's not just about beating people up, it's about getting under their skin. They want to break these people mentally, you know. If they just turned up and started just beating them with whips, mm. it wouldn't have the same impact as the long, drawn-out, no. like, making her cry over her dead mother is is worse than hitting her with a cane. Yeah, you know? it's a lot more psychological. Yeah. Which is quite interesting that you brought up Hostel, which mm-hmm. actually kind of reminded me. So torture porn, in a way, you can kind of trace it back to films like this. Yeah. But just massively dumbed down. Massively dumbed down, yeah. Because something like Hostel, it's just, you've got these innocent, although I find them really fucking annoying, people <laughs> yeah. who are captured by rich people and tortured yeah. for their amusement, but literally physically tortured. Yeah. Which, thinking about it, if you're psychologically torturing people, if this film had literally been like, okay, we'll capture them and then we'll rape them and mm-hmm. then, you know, do some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about in a yeah. minute and then kill them, it would just be very boring. It'd be about 30 minutes long. Yeah. Because where can you go from that point? You know, with Hostel, if you're like, you know, poking someone's eye out or I haven't seen Hostel for a very, really long time, yeah. but like, yeah, if you're like literally, you know, cutting someone's limb off, where are you meant to go from there? I can imagine it's somebody writing somebody writing a really deep film studies essay oh, they have about, about hostel. hostel and about how it's all about capitalism. Every grade, every everything you're talking about in terms of this film, they will apply to Hostel. But Hostel's not really about no. the same things that this film is about, really. Or if they are, it's as you. I don't want to. I don't want to say dumbed down, but it is dumbed down. It's a much, much more dumbed down version. We've got Eli Roth versus Pier Paolo Pasolini. Yeah, let's yeah. come on now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. Okay, so we we'll, may as well. So we talked about this from an art house perspective. We may mm-hmm. as well talk about it from the exploitation perspective now, because yeah. I imagine that's probably why most of the people are here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, <bro>. hey, <laughs> hi, everyone. So the film is split into four sections, yes. which is echoes of the Divine Comedy by mm-hmm. Dante. So yeah. we've got Anti Inferno, mm-hmm. uh, the Circle of Manias, the Circle of Shit. Yes. Very literal, which we're going to get to in a minute, and then the circle of blood. Mm-hmm. And I suppose Hay talked about many, many things on this show. Talked about vomiting, talked about <laughs> golden showers, talked about, you know, the Nazis, all these different things. And now is... we can add coprophagia to the list. Greg's circles of hell. That's what you could call <laughs> this podcast if you need to change the title or whatever. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, could I'll put it take under advisement? But yes, so literally we have shit eating. Yep. So, yeah, where can we go from there? What is it about Italians and asses? I. That's a very good fucking question because they do love they asses. They fucking love asses. Like, 
like, to, to a ridiculous level. Like Tinto Brass must have watched this film and be like, I've got such a great idea on more, how to... More arses. Yeah, just more arses. Make loads of films about arses. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, Tinto Brass is a, is a whole different level. I mean, I started watching Tinto Brass films not knowing that he was that into arses. And the first one, you're like, <laughs> oh, he's love arses in this. And the next one, you're like, more arses. And then you're like, more and more arses. But yeah, there's definitely an Italian... I don't know. Fixation. I would love to know what it is about Italian culture or Italian masculinity or the Italian zeitgeist that makes them more about us. Because they do say different nationalities do have their their things that are, you know, I think in in England, uh, Canaan is supposed to be, or other nations see Canaan as a British vice, (laughs) which is very interesting. (laughs) Or Japan, they have that sort of squid porn. Yes. But different nations or cultures do have their thing. In Italy, arses. They fucking love an arse. And this film is no exception. Not that there's anything wrong with arses, by the way. But But there's, okay, there's there's arses and then there's shit. Yes. Okay, you can, you can, I've got no problem if you like a a nice arse, but would you eat shit? I don't know. That's a different level to me. Yes. So just to contextualise this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because so this is making no sense. Sorry. We're just talking about, about arses. Arses and shit. Just for, for two minutes. Basically, in the film, what happens is, so the libertines, they have their order and their structure. Yes. So they have these older women who come to what's these called... Madams, the, I guess. The yeah. Hall of Orgies, which is a great name, I'm going to steal that. It, basically, <laughs> they then recount these stories, and the stories are all basically the same it's they were very young a lot of the cases underage yes they an older you know gentleman of the establishment would mm-hmm. come and see them yeah and they would have a real weird sexual fetish which normally involves being pissed on or shit on yeah or some other weird fetish which involves them being degraded in some way mm-hmm. and they would get their jollies without having actual sex with them no. which is a key point yes and then they would leave very satisfied that's essentially every story every story women, women it's called the hall of orgies i don't think an orgy actually takes place in the hall of orgies it should yes. be the hall of stories <laughs> which is quite interesting i may as well bring this up now now that you've mentioned it um this film as you can probably imagine got in a lot of trouble with the senses yes. and one of the things that was labeled <laughs> against it is well this film is basically pornography i strongly disagree with that uh, yes because there is no way in a million years anyone could be titillated by this. <laughs> I think. It's a tall order, isn't it? Yeah, because um... first of all, characters don't really have sex. No. Or if they do, you don't really see anything. And there's way more gay, well, homosexual, shall we say, mm-hmm. sex. There's no... Well, there's a little bit of kind of heterosexual sex in there as well, but it's mo- any sex you do is mostly homosexual, mm-hmm. and you, it, you, it's not titillating in the slightest. It's designed to not be titillating. Yes. But what I find interesting is, obviously the characters are meant to be sexually turned on. Yeah. So there must be people... I mean, there must be people out there who, who get their rocks off watching this. <laughs> maybe this will come up towards the end when we're talking about whether it's a good date movie or not. But in the right circumstances... This could be a good date movie, potentially. Possibly. If you like arses. Some, some people like arses, some people like shit. You know, there are scat dating websites, Greg, I've oh. been told. Um, <laughs> and, by uh, a friend, I'm sure. <laughs> by a friend. And um, I don't know, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it past that, that there aren't people who maybe there's bits that they like. Like a golden shower. Yeah. It's in there. They, you they, know, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> it's not designed to be sexy, though. No, God, no. You know? I mean, what happens in the film is it gets to a certain point in the story, and then one of the stories is basically about this older woman shitting and mm-hmm. this guy getting off on it. And the president, who is of the four, they're all fucking horrible characters, yeah. but he is the most horrible, I think. Just look at the guy, for starters. Is he, he the guy with the um The, the weird eye. lazy eye. The yeah. weird lazy eye. He's my He's favourite the one who character. Ma- he makes the shit He's jokes. He's brilliant. <laughs> he is absolutely... He's always cracking jokes. He's always got a smile on his face. He's the one that I think suggests the party, the shit-eating party. Yes. He's the driving force of the movie. <laughs> oh, he is. Well, he's, well, he's the president as well. He's the well. president, he, mate. He's the highest ranked yeah. as well. And he's the one, I think, with the most kind of perverse tendencies. Yeah, yeah by far. Yeah. So that comes up in conversation. And yes, the, the president has a great idea. Well, let's have a banquet of shit. Yes. As you do. So essentially, the the prisoners are not allowed to shit. Basically, they all have to do it at one time, and then they're all going to collect it. And they're because you don't want the shit to go off. No, well, <laughs> you, you need it's got to be fresh. It has shit. to be enough to go round. It has to be fresh shit. Yes, so fragrant enough. And there, there's conversations because this is the thing that I think would probably put a lot of people off. A lot of the really disturbing stuff is in what people say yes. rather than what you actually see. That, that's what I was trying to say before about the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, not a lot has physically happened. But the more you watch it and you actually pay attention to the stories yeah. and the details of the stories, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's the stories are far worse than what you see. And it's pretty relentless as well. Yeah. Because there's no kind of character development, it, you, it is literally just one story yeah, it's a place without another. It's a place without time or consequences apart from this weird sense of order and repeatedly telling stories. Yeah. And then like something crazy will happen or crazy ish. And then you just go back to another story as if nothing's happened. Mm. No consequences, no sense of time. It's very um, discombobulating. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, there is no sense. So you don't know how long they're there. How long they've been there. What time is it? You know, you know, what are they eating other than shit? Shit. (laughs) You know, are they literally just eating shit the whole time? Or is it just a one-off, a delicacy? I interpret it as a one-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think yeah. it was just a one-off as well, but yeah, God knows. <laughs> uh, and it does look very... Not real shit, everyone, first of all, before no, you get worried. Flamingos. No. Yeah. No, that's another Plus, that'd be a lot of shit. Because <laughs> they're literally like a trolley full of shit, isn't there? You know. Yeah, there is a lot of, yes. of shit being eaten in this film. How they did it, apparently, it was chocolate and flour and possibly orange mixed together uh-huh. to make it look like shit. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, wow, can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> As I said, you know, hey, it's a first for the show. We don't really get to talk about shit eating very often. I certainly wouldn't have been able to do this on Korean radio. Definitely not. That would have been... <laughs> Tim and Trace would not I have would try my best that. to get around it somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I've, number so two's, number two's feast. Number two's yes. feast. I mean, hey, there's number ones and num- in there as well. So, would, would you? How important do you think the, the shit-eating feast is to the film? Because when you... It's probably the... I don't know if it's the centerpiece of the film, but it's certainly the bit that people remember it, and it's hard to talk forget. about, you know. Yeah, because the first, well, you got Anti Inferno and then mm-hmm. you got Circle of Manias, and the Circle of Manias stuff happens. I'm yeah. not going to downplay it because it's not as if, like, 
nothing happens and then they yeah. eat shit. Obviously, there are there's a lot going on, but yeah, the the most depraved part is that. Yes, I don't think you can literally get any more depraved. No, apart from maybe vomiting on each other. But yeah, things like, do snowball as the film goes on. So yeah. yeah, you have the main years, which is some storytelling, and there's you know people being led around on dog leads, and there's people dressing up in women's clothing, and some of it's quite tame, really. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, that was a good day. <laughs> that was a good day. At least we didn't have to, you know, well, we drink just piss led around today. On a, on a today, dog leash. today we yeah. just had to. Today we just had to go to a fake wedding. That was that was an easy day at yeah. that, at this place, you know. Yeah. Oh, another thing I forgot, and obviously, you know, moving the subject away from coprophagia for a minute. Oh, you have to. <laughs> it's still about asses. <laughs> okay. In, in that <laughs> section, there's there's the great scene where you've got the ass competition, the be- the beauty contest, the yeah. uh, the ass beauty contest, which I just love. Yeah, it just goes to show the film is not just about people being tortured. Yeah, it's about degrading human beings. That whole sequence, like I said, you, if you're one of those people, in one sense, that's a good day because you're not getting tortured. But in another sense, it's all just about humiliating the individuals involved. Yeah, yeah. In all kinds of different ways. Like say, they get shouted at, they get yeah. molested. Um, the, the more fucked up stuff seems to happen to their daughters yeah. because they are naked for most of the film. There's a lot mm-hmm. of nudity in this film, yeah. incidentally. Again, like people kind of confuse oh my god this is porn because there's lots of nudity because there's naked people yeah yeah which okay yes there are there is nudity but that gets old if you like very very quickly that becomes tame very quickly yeah well once things start being discussed they're like happening yeah once you've got conversations about you know what are basically underage girls kind of you know turning on men to the point where they can yeah. come all over them and stuff it doesn't like matter that. you see a boob yeah <laughs> it yeah, really seeing, doesn't seeing 70s porn bush and like yeah. you know boobs and penises mm. it doesn't really matter <laughs> after a while you just kind of get very very desensitized to the whole thing um yeah lots of homosexual sex in there as well mm-hmm. because yeah as i said Pasolini was gay but from what I've read up, Pasolini's interesting in the sense that he wasn't necessarily that active in sort of gay rights or okay. anything like that. So some people, I don't necessarily agree with this, have sort of interpreted the film as, well, fascism because they're all sexually depraved and they mm-hmm. like either just men or men and women. Yeah. Therefore, fascism and homosexuality are somehow seen as intertwined. <laughs> I did not get that. But, um, <laughs> the only reason, I mean, le- le- I, I would say that het- fascism is ultra heterosexual. And as these men are trying to be pervert in their mind, homosexuality is the opposite of what they would normally do. So I see the men enacting homosexual acts as a way of, in their mind, being more perverse. Not because they are naturally inclined to do that, but because they're in this place to do things that they would never do in the outside world. Yeah. Like I said, you know. it's like their last hurrah. Yeah. Like, probably, the fact that the director's mm. gay as well. I don't think the director, who is a known Marxist, would yeah. want to associate his own sexuality with fascism. <laughs> no, no, I can't imagine they would. But I say, you know what people are like. People they, like to, yeah. <laughs> they, they'd like to interpret things. They like to have oh, a new perspective on films. Yes. Uh, and yeah, he's also a communist. So he did throw a sly kind of communist salute in there. So mm-hmm. the, you mentioned there was the guard who was secretly yes. having... 
um, an illicit affair with one of the servant girls mm-hmm. and then he gets caught and before he gets shot he makes the iconic kind of fist in the air yeah. sort of communist salute which yeah so yeah I, I get that mm-hmm. I, I get why that would be a big deal and it's quite an iconic image yeah I think and yeah just uh, but yeah lots and lots of depravity and then you've got the circle of blood which is yeah, where if you're waiting for all kinds of, of violent shit, your hostel kind of yeah, stuff. This is your little hostel bit, I guess. <laughs> but you don't get it how you might expect it, and you nope. don't get it full in the face in the way that you would in something yep. like Hostel or Saw, where you've got the point of view of the, the various libertines sort of looking through binoculars. At a great distance. At a great distance. Know. And you can't hear what's going on. No. Nope. All you hear is the music playing on the radio and all you can do is watch the different sort of torches going on so people getting their penis burnt with a candle or their breasts burnt with a candle or their tongues cut out or their eyes gouged All the gruesome stuff. Yeah. And it's I I love that bit because in in something like Hostel, the actual torture and the screaming and stuff is the release. Mm. I I don't want to say satisfying, but it's the release. And in this, you don't get the release. No. Because you don't, as you say, you don't hear it, you're at a dis- you're not part of the scene. You're just a spectator watching a spectator. Yeah, like you've talked before with me about how torture porn films, they're kind of like slasher films. Yeah. Where just the deaths are a bit different. So yeah. instead of it being all this anticipation and a quick kill, it's a long, you know, like in Saw, there's a long kind of prolonged agony. Yeah. And then there's the, the death, and the death is just, you know something that happens yeah whereas yeah in this it's just something you kind of see and you don't even see it in full and you can't hear what's going on yeah. even you know it's all grim and everything don't get me wrong it's the scenes of people being hanged and stuff but even then there's the scene that everyone always points out where um the the guy flips his binoculars the other way around so mm-hmm. you're not even seeing stuff in close it's actually further away yeah which is yeah again very very clever i do love the fact that i mean why do you think they take it in turns to watch it from a great distance. Because I imagine it's because they just want, you know, it's out of politeness, I guess. (laughs) Just fairness, I I think. I just, because they could all just be taking part in it. Nobody has to be watching it. I just think it's just, it's it's another perversion. Mm. It's a sort of um, voyeurism. It's an extension of voyeurism. And they like just to watch again the film is not about people being tortured it's about people being humiliated and things like that so the fact that then they take it in turns not to torture people and just to sit back and relax and watch everyone else at work um i think is just goes to show it in a way it's not just torture porn if you want to put it that way it's not just hostile it's it's they're enjoying the torture on a on an intellectual level, they're enjoying yeah. just the aesthetics of watching it. Um, also, I'm sure it's been said before that, you know, you're watching it's, torture. Yeah. He's just watching torture. How are you better than him? You know, there's yeah. got to be something to be said for the audience there. Yeah. It's this idea of spectatorship. Yeah. So it's basically, yeah, you're right. So he, in the film, is watching people being tortured, and yeah. we are watching him watching yeah. other people being tortured. Yes, we are complicit mm-hmm. in that as well. It's very clever. That's why I think it's like found footage. That's kind of one of the ideas of that as well. Is that we are somehow complicit in it as well? Yeah, it's quite it's quite an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, so 
yeah, so, so much brutality, but it all happens at the end, and it's not that graphic. This is one of the things I would say about the film, just kind of sum up a little bit as we're getting towards the end, mm-hmm. in that it's not sort of full-on explicit. A lot of it is, like we said, it's suggestion, or yeah. not even suggestion, it's we're told it, and then our imaginations will then start to run wild. Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so on the whole... I, I mean, I would recommend this. I think it's a good movie. It's obviously not recommend this, a fun yeah. movie. No. <laughs> at all. But like I said, the more you watch it, the more you appreciate the film. I wouldn't say the funner it gets, but um, it certainly becomes a more interesting watch each and every single time. No. You, see, it, you start thinking more and more each time you watch it. No, it's interesting to say that people will say, oh, some people say it's boring, which is fair enough. I mean, that's mm-hmm. their opinion and everything. But there is so much going on. Now, like I said, the first time I watched it, I was not blown away because I was like expecting mm. Hostel. So if you were bored the first time, watch it again. Watch it again knowing what to expect and you will definitely en- enjoy it. Maybe not the word. You will definitely appreciate it more for what it is. Exactly. So yeah, it's not a fun watch. In terms of Pasolini's other films, I don't think it's his best film, but it's it's up there. I'd say his earlier stuff is probably his best work in terms of his neorealist stuff or The Gospel According to St. Matthew, but then you've got... After that, he a lot of his films, he tried to make them as almost uncommercial as possible. Mm-hmm. I need to watch a trilogy of life because... Again, this kind of came straight afterwards and was a reaction to that because of how it was perceived. So I need to watch it and see kind of for myself. It's such a shame we didn't get the trilogy of death because I would have been, and I mean that seriously, I don't mean that as a joke, I would have been very intrigued to see where this would have, because I guess this is a freak film in a way. (laughs) It's not part of anything. As you say, he died. So if we had seen the other two films, maybe we would understand this film a bit better. Yeah. Because it would play a part in something larger. Yeah, because I think what happened, and from the documentaries I've watched about this, it, I think people, when they it first came out, they couldn't separate his actual death yeah. from the film. So people have somehow seen this as like, you know, he made these three kind of relatively happy films, and he made this, which is like almost complete opposite, and then he was murdered, mm-hmm. which is, as we've said, it's almost completely coincidental. Yeah. So he didn't mean it as like a finality. Mm-hmm. He very much not as said he was going to do something else yeah. afterwards and he just never did. And we might be talking about the film in a totally different way if there had been two other films to add to his trilogy. Yeah. So, in terms of this being a bad date movie, mm-hmm. we have the following. So we have many, many stories about underage, possibly <laughs> paedophilic kind of sex acts involving yeah. masturbation, golden showers, shitting, and arses, and different kind of forms of shitting. So, if you're going on a date with Jimmy Savile, <laughs> this is this is top marks. You know, you will have a great time. Hey, so, if you can go on a date with Jimmy Savile nowadays, well, hey, particularly well now, I mean, there's... now would be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of rape of both sexes. Um, lots of arses, <laughs> lots of nudity. Um, it's grim as fuck in terms of there is no happiness in the film whatsoever. Literally I would say none. There's, a, there's a weird type of happiness because the music's so jolly and everyone's clothes are so... <laughs> yeah, you know what is. I mean? That, that juxt- juxtaposition, is that the word I'm looking yes, for? Yes, Where everything's right. very pretty and nice and Italian. But, um, <laughs> but there's this underlying... 
horror, I guess. So there is happiness, but it's 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 the most creepy yeah. form of happiness. Yeah, because and one of the main mm. madams always has this smile plastered on her face. Mm. And it's terrifying. It's like the Joker. <laughs> Uh, yeah so um yeah yeah it's interesting you say that because i mean this is a horror film yeah by far but it's not a horror film like you've not got a man in a hockey mask chasing teenagers around you haven't got ghosts go boo every 10 minutes no this is like real life horror Mm -hmm. this is yeah very very scary because like i said this may have happened we don't know that it did but it may have done oh wow so we got golden showers we have uh, shit eating. Yep. We have people shitting on the floor and trying to make people eat it off the floor. Yep. We have people being uh, treated like dogs and forced to eat, you know, from bowls. We and, have uh, actually be tricked into eating nails. Yes, scene. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, one of the girls forced to eat cake with nails in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a conversation where one of the madams says, "You know, I just offhand just oh yeah, and I killed my mum." Yeah, and then the duke's like, "Yes." This was a, the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done for doing this. There's a, there, there is a lot. A lot of people just just before you finish do get Desard confused. They think he's a man that doesn't believe in morality. Right. He's somebody that does believe in morality, but his version of morality is is just your version topsy turvy. So the the characters in this had their own grasp of morality. So he's like, it's a good thing you killed your mum because your mum was holding you back. Yes. And and they talk about things like this. They're like, oh, you know, anarchy is the same thing as fascism because it's unlimited power. And and so they have a weird sense of morality. It's not just chaos. It's um, warped morality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure in Desaad's head, I'm sure it all made Yeah, it all, perfect makes, sense. all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. And then, yes, all the various kind of tortures that happened in the last sort of 10 minutes of the film yeah. that I, I already mentioned, I won't go over again. And it's got a very weird ending. <laughs> so it you know people yeah, the end is just so matter of fact yeah if you're one of these people i i tom cannon uh if you're out there um basically who doesn't like films that end on an ambiguous note yeah then you're probably not gonna like this film mm-hmm. if you weren't you know already kind of you know you probably loved up at that point no yeah. it's fine it was great <laughs> i just want to know what happened to everyone did they get arrested um, well, yeah, well, that, that's a bloody good question because they they say, "Oh, those of you who have behaved, you'll come with us to um, uh, uh, Salo." Salo. So I need the um, name of the film. Yeah, Tom. yeah, you'll come with us to Salo, and I'm just like, so do they just go back to normal? Like, what happens now? Yeah, did they go back just to their everyday lives and just have to pretend that this well, didn't happen? Now, where have you been for the last week? You don't want to. You don't want to fucking know where I've me. been. Well, <laughs> is it a week? As we said, yeah, it yeah, could we said we've no concept of time. Yeah, yes. And it's weird because on this version that we watched, because uh, in the older versions that I've seen, it wasn't this great quality. Um, but you do hear sort of planes flying overhead at different points in the yeah. film as well. So, so yeah, so this is you literally get that, you get that sense of the yeah. allies. The allies are coming. The party's coming to an end. And there's times where the drones of the engines. I wasn't sure whether they were necessarily going to be the drones of the engines, or whether that was just. Um, sound that he's put in to create a sense of atmosphere it's both obviously um the drones get sort of either darker or deeper or louder when something bad's about to happen yeah um so it's yeah bad shit's about to go bad down, shit's about to go down. <laughs> so i have a question we actually have a few questions <laughs> I don't, the first one i have a feeling i know the answer okay so tom is this a good date movie or a bad date movie <laughs> 
<laughs> I would say it's about what a question. About two thirds bad date movie, right? For for the average person. But I honestly think, and I'm not saying this to be like <laughs> controversial or funny. I reckon it has the potential to be a good date movie. Right. I reckon it does. It. I guess it has a sort of not pornographic element to it, but it's got a underlying sexual element to it. <laughs> You, you, right. you could be, if you were somebody who was like, I'm really into controversial, you know, fuck you society movies, right. and you're, you go on a date with somebody and she's like, hey, I'm into very controversial fuck you society movies, and you're trying to like outdo each other, so and who can be to... the most mm. like fuck you society, and you both went to see this movie, you might have a great date movie. <laughs> so if you're trying to woo someone who's an edgelord, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, an edgelord. They, they might. You might have a great right. time, even if you're just pretending <laughs> you might have a great time. But, um, but I think for most people, like I said, the two-thirds, <laughs> the two-thirds, um, no. No, not, not a great date movie. I, I think movie. I want to say it's a great date movie just because I think it's a great movie. But mm. under the circumstances of, of dating, no. Okay. Um, yes, this is without doubt a bad date movie. <laughs> but how bad a date movie is it? So what I'm going to do before I ask you for the rating Excellent. I have a sort of slightly weird question because it's good that you've been on previous shows yeah is this a worse date movie than something like The Beast in Heat hmm I would say yes because this is a good movie Beast hmm. in Heat you can just kind of laugh off maybe have a good time taking the piss out of the movie this you can't really laugh this off you know hmm. this is very I know we've had a laugh doing this well, yeah but it's very much gallows humor it's i think this would be a worse date movie than beast and heat um even though beast and heat is more graphic yes and has, you know way sleazier yeah for sure but yeah you're right i think this is kind of like what's the difference you know what's a worse date movie between i don't know martyrs and let's say Hostel, again, yeah. for the sake of arguing. Because Martyrs, I watched it, and by the end, I was just completely emotionally drained. Yes. Whereas Hostel, I was just annoyed. Yeah. Really. Maybe that's the key thing, emotionally drained. Like, Yeah, yeah because even though, like we say, it's a, it's a cold movie, yes, because of the way it's done, I think by the end, you could just feel harrowed. And it's, it's yeah. one of these films, it's, it, it's one of these films, like we talked about, I've talked about before, like... The worst aspect of a, a potential date movie is, is it really depressing or mm-hmm. not? And not only is this, you know, disgusting, it's also fucking depressing. Depressing as hell, yeah. And it has very, very few elements of, yeah, just light in there whatsoever. I mean, fuck, there's even a character, I mean, you mentioned this, is there's the pianist character mm-hmm. who's in there, isn't even really part of the procedures. She's just there playing a piano and she's yeah. that distraught by what's going on. She just fucking commits suicide. Yeah, just jumps out the fucking window. <laughs> Yeah. So mid song, yes. just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Is this a worse date movie than than say Cannibal Holocaust? Weirdly, I would probably for me Cannibal Holocaust would be a worse date movie. I can't quite explain why. I think Cannibal the Animal Cruelty probably. Well, there's the Animal Cruelty, uh, but even like you know, like the scene that I hate in, and I hate because it's a good scene mm, where they oh, um, yeah, the forced abortion, they bury the baby, yeah. because that's a long drawn out scene. It it really is emotionally draining, to use your phrase. Yeah. Um, this has lots of harrowing small moments, I guess, in comparison to that. 
So I would probably not that I would put this on. (laughs) (laughs) I I like to think I have more films than just either this or Cannibal Holocaust. This is kind of like if if you had the choice, would you cut off your foot or would you I don't know cut off one of your hands? So it's like they're both kind of at one end of the scale, but it's just how you know it's like finite, uh, tiny amounts, shall we say? Perhaps this, this would be a better date movie than Cannibal Holocaust because it has artistic yeah. merit and political allegories and not the, that Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust, Holocaust doesn't have those both things. Both of those as well. Yeah. Have you well know. Okay, it has a bit more, I guess. <laughs> it, I mean, It's less it's, art house. I yeah, that it's, way. it's a very trick. It's it's so close to the mark, those two, but I would be... My money's on um, this being a better date movie. Yeah, I would say of all the Nazi exploitation movies, with the exception of Gestapo's Last Orgy... Mm-hmm. This is probably a worse date movie because of you know the underlying message and what the director is yeah. trying to achieve. The others are just sleaze. Yeah. Now some of them are kind of fun to watch in an ironic kind of way. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of them are just kind of boring, mm-hmm. and they're basically just sex films. Yeah. <clears throat> with like a very thin story and very thin characters. There's mm-hmm. nothing under the surface. Gestapo's Last Orgy is actually shocking. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's something I think we'll need to do. I know we've already reviewed it elsewhere, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's something we'll need to return to at some point when enough time has passed just to kind of maybe watch it just by itself and we can talk about it in more detail than we did before. But you yeah, have a lot of Nazi exploitation films on your podcast. <laughs> well, hey, I know what my audience wants, so <laughs> there you go. I'm a man who delivers. Don't know who said I'm not. Um, so yeah, out yes. of fo- I would say again, this is probably again probably a slightly better date movie than Cannibal Holocaust mm-hmm. as well, and it's a much better date movie than the Vomit Gore trilogy. So, <laughs> as <laughs> notorious as this is, and it's a fucking terrible date movie <laughs> for the majority of people, I can only realistically give it a four out of five, mm-hmm. only because, like I said, there's just. You know, there is further that you can go. Let's put it that way. There's like stuff that's like actual, you know, snuff films out there, pretty much. So, but without yeah. comparing it to actual videos of people being murdered, well, I, I don't just mean within literal, the realms of reality. Yeah. What you're going to put on, you know? Yeah, it's like, am I going to put on, you know, Snuff 102 or this? Yeah. No, I'm probably going to choose this because one, it's a much better movie. And two, I mean, there's stuff you can talk about yeah. afterwards. It's not literally just, well, I was going to say sadism, but from what we've talked about on this show, that term would be grossly misused. Yes. It's just torture for the sake of torture. Mm-hmm. There is no deeper meaning to it yeah. whatsoever. It's just empty. Um, and just as a final note to end on, um, because you did mention it right near the start of the show, oh. this is the film that I kind of compare the most to a Serbian film. Mm-hmm. Because Salo is the film that was tagged with the the brush of, okay, so the director wanted to, let's say, for example, he did want to make an allegory about fascism. That's not what I think the film is about. But Mm -hmm. let's say that that that's what his his intention was. You've made this film where basically you've got people eating shit and getting pissed on and all this arse kind of stuff. (laughs) All this stuff in there. So you've got all this stuff... And because of that, if you take the film literally at a service level because of what happens in the film, and you don't think about the subtext at all, that's basically what you've done. Yeah. But with a Serbian film, again, similar thing. It's like the director apparently 
from what I understand, you know, wanted to tell this story about, well, this is what life is like during, you know, the Yugoslavia war and yeah. also like growing up in that and time. Stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, newborn porn, etc. I think that that is, you know, however it's sincere, the director may have intended that. Mm-hmm when you are including a scene of a man fucking a baby, even though it's clearly not a real baby, incidentally, I think all that kind of gets thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, the last 30 minutes of that film is just ridiculous. (laughs) Whereas with this, it doesn't get that explicit. No. So the, you know, the message to me, although you might miss this if, you know, you're not used to watching films like this, it ain't going to get lost. Mm -hmm. And that's my opinion. Cool. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that. Okay, so you, you, you agree yeah. with me then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, that was easy. Awesome. <laughs> so, if you are interested in owning this like I do, and you do? Yeah, I think I've got the same version you've got. Cool. So, I own the Region 2 BFI version, which is mm-hmm. uh, both Blu-ray and DVD, and it's got a fuckload of extras on there. It's really good. Um, it's Yeah, it looks great. You can say this makes the cinematography stand out. Um, yeah, very, very awesome version. And you may not be surprised to hear that if you live in Region 1, it's part of the Criterion Collection. Cool. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah, Criterion have it. So, you know, talking about is it an art house, is it exploitation, you've got Criterion and the BFI. And the BFI. So, so there you the go. the seal of approval. That tells from- you everything you need to know. Um, so, I want to thank you, Tom Demick Cook for joining me once again on the show. Thank you much. I, I love this show. <laughs> this was a great one. Yeah, yeah no, it was awesome. Um, we will have to do this again at some point. Maybe do something a little bit less heavy, but we shall see. Everything's less heavy. Than the, than <laughs> something with n- less arses. Yeah. <laughs> something about Tinto Brass. Unless yeah. it's Tinto Brass. Yeah. Caligula. We'll do that. Yeah. And more asses in it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thank you very, very much for listening to the show. Um, and, um, yeah, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter and suggest movies for me to review at Worst Date Movies. And don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now to never miss any future episodes of Worst Date Movies ever. Mm-hmm.